and welcome to the Adaptive Executive Podcast, where we meet with senior executives and discuss how to keep yourself and your organization adaptive and your employees engaged. My name is Greg Ballard, founder and owner of 5C Consultant, and I am your host. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, you can apply on our website at 5C.Consulting. Look for the word podcast. For now, let's dive into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Adaptive Executive. I am your host, Greg Ballard, and I have a very special guest, Libby Covington, a partner of the Craig Group. Welcome, Libby. Thank you. I appreciate it. Nice to see you, Greg. Good to see you again, too. Uh, Really glad to have you here. And I know we're just talking a little bit, but I would love to hear um, about your journey to the Craig Group. You know, what's a little bit of your background and what brought you into this current role as a partner of the Craig uh, Marketing Group? Sure. Thank you. So um, my background um, was not traditional in um, what you would normally see in a consulting firm around marketing. My background was in M&A primarily. So um, I spent uh, several years, the beginning of my career at a large big four accounting firm. Um, Then I went into a law firm um, with with M&A and then I went to an investment bank for a few years. And then I went into a private equity firm. And that's really kind of where I had the um, germinate of the seed for Craig Group in that um, I was working with our portfolio companies at a middle market private equity firm. And um, my goal was really to source new deals. But as I was working with the CEOs of the portfolio companies, I saw that they would come to me sometimes for advice on growth and marketing on how to grow the, uh, the companies. And I realized they really need a trusted resource um, at, at the companies and not having to go each company one by one to find, you know, an agency or so forth. So at that, that's when I kind of had the idea for the Craig Group. Um, then I went and worked directly with an entrepreneur in a very large um, privately held company where we launched marketing. And um, that was in the heavy equipment business. And that's when I really had the epiphany of the pivot to digital. That had been a very industrial business, very outside sales focused. This was during COVID and, and even a couple of years before COVID we saw that um, you can really um, drive business and and growth with inbound digital marketing. We were seeing it work in a very old school industrial business. So I realized not just this one company I'm with needs it, but um, all companies that are in that space, B2B, private equity owned or private, might be able to um, benefit from our services. So that's when we formed Craig Group in 2020. And part of that was also driven by, um, you know, the, the pandemic because of the fact that there were not the ability for outside salespeople to go call on their customers the way that they had in the past or their prospects. So we really had to pivot and help companies pivot to how do you get customers to come to you? Yeah. So yeah, I noticed in doing um, kind of looking at your background that the heavy equipment, you, the business you were, they were like 1.3 billion. Actually, uh, yeah, two, over 2 billion in revenue. Over 2 billion in revenue. And so, I mean, imagine the marketing, you know, for that kind of revenue, that had to be a pretty substantial role. Um, yes. So background in PE, experience in M&A, you're doing this work, you see this opportunity, you see this need uh, for support, for expertise. And and now you know you and your partner have uh, launched the Craig Group and that was what, 2020, July, 2020, so what? Actually, that's when I joined, which July, 2020, launched in July, 2019. So she was there okay. a year before. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. So what are you seeing now? So let's talk a little bit about the space and uh, PE space marketing. What are you seeing in the trends right now? 
So um, I'm seeing a very interesting trend in that, as, as many of your listeners may know, in the private equity, especially middle market, the um, it's been very competitive. There are over, um, I think the number, I've heard numbers from 4,300 to 5,000 middle market private equity firms all going after the same deals, uh, pretty much. You know, they're going to um, family owned or entrepreneur owned businesses and, you know, taking an investment position in, in, in them. And what, um, because of that, they're having to pay higher multiples. And, um, you know, in the past, if you look back over the last decade, you know, um, private equity firms tend to focus a lot on, you know, financial engineering, putting in an ERP system, you know, changing a lot on the finance side, but maybe not some of the other um, disciplines within a company, such as sales and marketing or growth, um, particularly digital marketing, maybe sales, but not as much on digital marketing. And that has to change because they literally have to grow um, so much faster than they used to because of the multiple of their chain they're paying in order to get their um, you know, return upon exit in five to seven years. So one trend that I'm seeing um, is that they are hiring not just operating partners to work um, at, with their portfolio companies, but a whole operating team, which would include um, a person, um, you know, maybe in talent management, sales and marketing, um, you know, uh, finance, um, operations, and that that focus on giving, um, you know, additional resources to the portfolio companies that have already been vetted has been um, very positive for our business, because that is what we tend to do is come in through the private equity firm and then get introduced to the portfolio companies. And they have a trusted team that they can work with, um, that they know have already worked with other companies within the portfolio or just have expertise in that size company. So that's a trend that we're seeing. We're also seeing a trend of, you know, really focusing on uh, the MarTech stack and the technology and automation and making sure that even though they're a middle market company, which many other, you know, large companies for years have focused on um, tools like HubSpot and Salesforce.com and, you know, other marketing automation tools, not necessarily in the middle market, and that's changing. Most of our clients now are using these tools, they're embracing them, and they need help navigating, you know, how to put together that, that MarTech stack and what makes sense and how to track and how to see ROI. That's really our main focus at Craig Group. We are obsessed, that's what we say, we are obsessed with ROI, you know, return on investment. Because when I was in-house, I never served like, as a consultant until 2020, an external consultant. Um, I would try to hire firms to help our, my company, like for example, in the heavy equipment company, and they um, would just end at, uh, you know, we're gonna help you get users to your website. You know, we don't really care if they convert. We don't care if they turn into customers. That's not our job. That's your job. So we try to take it to the end. So I had such a hard time hiring a firm that wanted to help me with that work that I was like, we're going to fill this white space and we're going to take it all the way to the end to say, no one really cares how many users you get to your website. They care how many convert and become customers when you're an owner of yes. a business um, and focus on a P&L. So that's what we focus on. So we put together an ROI model for our clients and we take it all the way down to conversion and, you know, how is revenue growing because of the work that we're doing? Not, mm. not how, how many users or clicks did you get to your website? That's not meaningful for most business owners. Yeah, I think that's so relevant. And, you know, M&A PE space ROI is, you know, that's, that's the bottom line. I mean, we, we, the focus is there. And so if, if you're not able to connect the dots or if you're going to leave it to, hey, I'll bring one component to the table you guys, you have to bring the rest of the components to the table that it doesn't build a lot of confidence. 
but what you're doing is you're bringing the whole thing as well as the experience of, hey, I've done this for 25 plus years. I don't know how long you've been in, 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 the, in the industry, but yeah, you're just, you just kind of transitioned. <laughs> You've just transitioned into the cult consulting space. So you know what it's like to operate inside an organization and be accountable to the results. Exactly, exactly. And, and so we, we, we take that same approach. Many of our companies that we work with, Greg, don't have an internal marketing team. They're, they're middle market companies. They, have, they maybe have sales or it could have been that the entrepreneur that was leading the company you know, prior to the private equity investment was pretty much sales and marketing because they're often you know, those kind of personalities. So, um, you know, one man show or two man show or, you know, woman. So we really work to put together a go to market strategy, a real plan and um, institutionalize that knowledge and those processes to become repeatable and grow. Because another trend is, you know, these companies are going to become much larger in the five year hold period, five to seven year hold period of the private equity firm, sometimes three to four times as large. You can't run things the way that you did when you were much smaller at two to 10 million in EBITDA when you're 50 or hundred million in EBITDA. That's a, two different types of businesses. So we're helping build the infrastructure and the plan to, to grow the business to that stage because we've worked in both the smaller companies and the larger companies. That includes, you know, staffing, technology, processes, um, and, and customer base. And really thinking about who are your customers, who is your audience, really thinking that through so that that is a sustainable growth plan and you know what the plan is to grow the business. So I'd love to get under the hood a little bit, if you, if you can, is maybe some examples of um, like real tactical issues and challenges that you're seeing mm -hmm. inside of these PE-backed organizations, something that our listeners could relate to and say, oh, that's me, right? That's mm -hmm. us, or we mm -hmm. had to handle that. Is there anything that's uh, coming up to mind as we kind of sure, look yeah. at opening I mean, the box? I can give you, I can what... give you couple of different examples. I mean, one, I would say uh, an example that I can give is we have a, um, a client that is in a, a nascent technology it is an emerging technology. And, um, you know, people it, it's in, it's a SaaS software product, um, in the manufacturing space and, and potential buyers may not even know that it exists. So, you know, having to, um, really put together a plan that is going to, um, help, raise that awareness of this is this is a solution to your problem um which includes believe it or not includes google search very often because people when they don't know when they have a problem they're trying to solve but they don't know what the answer is where do they go is google and really you know believe it or not that's the that's the new norm and um you know uh having really a very sophisticated plan put together what will people be searching on just trying to solve their problem, not necessarily searching on the kind of technology that you offer or what your solution is, but instead what their problem is and making sure that you are um, being shown and um, helping that uh, potential buyer down the sales funnel because you're immediately what they see at the beginning and then they start learning, they start getting educated and you have correct content at each point in the funnel. So you're, you're giving them content at the education mm -hmm. level around their industry. You're giving them content when they get to, you know, a further um, step of, you know, comparison and so forth. So, you know, your traditional sales funnel. Um, so that has been very, and we have really, and, and we're tracking ROI so carefully with that customer that we've been able to, you know, get the cost per lead down from, I believe it was over a thousand when we started and now it's, you know, half of that. So, uh, and um, it's a very expensive product. So it is, it is not like buying something that's $29 a month. I mean, it's, you know, over 15,000 a year. So, 
you think to yourself, like, you know, how do people make a decision? And that's how we've built the marketing plan. And it's really, we're seeing great success. Separately, we have another um, client that um, had a, you know, is an industrial recycling business where they are going to retail and other commercial establishments to, um, to handle recycling. And that's a very fragmented business. Um, the decision maker is extremely fragmented. It could be anybody from a stock boy in a grocery store to a, uh, to, you know, the owner of the company and really figuring out, you know, what are the digital means to make sure that all of those people can find you in the right places where they're doing their research. And, um, we've been able to put together um, an omni-channel plan that is that is really showing um, great success, again, and bringing in qualified leads that the salespeople are able to close and, and really tracking that. And they didn't have a tracking system in place. I mean, to kind of show you an example, they had someone else doing this work before we were brought in, but that person, that, that team stopped again at, this is how many leads we gave you. They never followed it through to what closed, what was revenue. And so having that information that then reinforms your tactics closes mm-hmm. the loop and makes them so much more successful. And there aren't a lot of firms out there doing that work. So that's really intriguing. Um, I'm kind of curious, and I'm going to introduce a metaphor that I love is, um, I, you, I don't know if you've ever heard it, uh, the leak versus the puddle. And so okay. um, I, I I picked this up from, from my chiropractor and I said, hey, this hurts. He's like, well, is that the leak or the puddle? And I was like, well, what are you talking about? Well, is it the thing you feel or is it the thing causing what you feel, right? And and I've brought this into our work. You know, a lot of times we are talking with a prospect or a potential client and and they're explaining a problem. And I intuitively understand, okay, that problem is the downside, is it's downline from the real problem. And so mm-hmm. I frame it, is it the puddle or is it the leak? And what we identify, what we and I'm kind of curious, uh, do a lot of your clients distinguish the leak from the puddle? So when they're calling you, are they actually do they know the core problem? Or are they talking about a puddle and that you have to identify that core problem? I think it's totally there. They, they, they know about the puddle. They don't know about the leak many, many times. So um, that we are often, and I will tell you where that really um, comes true for us is they don't really know who their core audience is, who are the people that would be their potential buyers, you know, across um, all parts of the business. A lot of times, you know, they just don't understand that completely. They don't understand who it could be. So doing that research and really understanding you know, what is the total addressable market and are they hitting that whole market in the ways that they should be with, with you know, marketing tactics and do they have a strategy? That is where we see that they understand, okay, we're not growing as fast as we want to or we're having a problem in one particular region or with one product line or one service line, but they don't understand that, that all comes back to audience. You know, so that's where the leak is, is like, maybe you're not addressing the right audience. Maybe you're addressing the wrong audience. You're going to trade shows, but that's not really your core buyer that's at that trade show. If that's an example, you know, make sure that you're figuring out who is your core audience and really having the discipline to focus on once you have done that work to establish who you think your audiences are really focusing on that and having that discipline to not go down roads of, you know, say non-profitable clients. I mean, so it depends, you know, especially in B2B, if your salespeople are incented through um, volume, they may not always be incented through, you know, profitability or the amount of, you know, figuring out like what is the core issues behind all of the behavior that's being driven that maybe isn't getting you to your end goal. 
Yeah, so that raises one other core question. And I want to pivot to some of the uh, some, another part of the conversation here. So does your group focus on the marketing or the marketing and the sales? Really or, both because they're hand in yeah. hand, right? In B2B yeah. businesses. I would say in an e-commerce business, there is no sales, right? You're just clicking on and buying jeans or buying, you know, lotion or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that if we were working with an e-commerce company, which we have a couple of those, then that is, you know, very much ends at marketing. But we don't end at marketing when it comes to B2B companies that have a sales team or even B2C if they have a sales team, because we think that the whole process needs to work together. So we would help on both sides. Fantastic. So I want to ask you a couple of questions about, you know, how your journey has gone. And, and you know, we love to highlight and learn things from successful folks in the marketplace uh, specifically how you stay adaptive, how you pivot. And and you've had you know a pivot. You've pivoted out of role into the consulting space. And I'm curious, is there anything along that journey you would share with us? Is there any specific like daily or weekly or routine practices that you do that help you to be aware and be alert uh, to make those kinds of decisions? Sure. Um, you know, I think that the way that I stay adaptive is I try to stay very well um, educated and read in, in not just trends in my um, business, not in just digital marketing, which is constantly changing, by the way. I mean, it, the, the softwares, I think there's something like 10,000 software products that can help with MarTech right now. I mean, so <laughs> it's unbelievable like what, uh, what you have to stay up with. But I think what's even more important are the trends that you see in business and in industries and, you know, what is affecting our different customers. Um, so, you know, we have a client commercial real estate and just seeing an article, I saw an article this morning that was very relevant to their business and sending it to them. And I think that that helps me stay adaptive because I was thinking, how is this going to affect their business? Because it was about their customers, like thinking about your client's customers and what their thoughts are. So I do. So, I mean, honestly, that's, I like to read the wall street journal and I do it every morning. And I think that that is what uh, I read it online on my phone. And that's what keeps me, um, I think, adaptive. I mean, obviously um, I also, one of the things that has been great about um, my pivot to Craig group is, you know, I come from a heavy B2B background. My partner comes from a B2C background. She was in um, automotive dealerships at a, at a very, um, large 150 and they kind of approach things differently and just also taking into account different viewpoints of how marketing can be done and how, um, you know, and that's really happening in our industry. Like the things like kind of, you know, the fact that we all have Netflix and we all have Amazon and everything is, um, you know, by AI shows us examples and what we should be thinking about, you know, that's coming into B2B marketing very quickly. But it's hard because it's a complicated, heavy duty, expensive item to sell. It's not something that's, you know, inexpensive, like most of what we've seen in B2C. But a lot of that technology and a lot of that um, thinking is a, is appropriate for um, B2C. I mean, I'm sorry, B2B companies as well. And so just that's also like being intellectually curious, I think, helps me stay adaptive. Like even if you think it's not appropriate or um relevant to what you do day to day or your business does just understanding what mm -hmm. these other businesses do that are very different than yours. It, that keeps me adaptive. I love it. I think in, in, in adaptivity and innovation, I mean, you take innovation, it's really about connecting something that hasn't been connected before and you need to remain open for that. Um, you know, we define adaptability with uh, the two things it's, it's agility and, and uh, resilience. 
And so in order to, to stay fluid, right, to be able to see what's coming, but also to weather the storm when it's, when it's difficult. And I'm curious, I know you guys, the, um, the Craig group, the Craig Marketing Group is still fairly new, but I'm curious, are, is there anything you guys are doing internally to keep your organization kind of on the leading, the bleeding edge, the cutting edge of, of the trends in the marketing space? Yeah, I mean, I think we're doing it through talent. I mean, we are we are taking a very specific approach to finding um, the specific talent for the specific problem at hand. Um, and we're doing a lot of that through, honestly, um, you know, not full-time employees because um, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And that was the old model, I would say, of kind of advertising agencies to have a real heavy um bench of people that you kind of have to sell what we keep them busy and we take a, a much more fluid approach to say we are here to bring in the right talent um, for what you need at that time so we have a great cadre of individuals that we have um, worked on and that's been a lot of work as we built this company is finding the right experts that we can bring in as needed that may be contract or freelance but they work with us on our clients when we have a specific need um, and I think that that especially with the fact that so many people did quit their full-time jobs during um, COVID. So there's a lot more people that are very good and did come from in-house, for example, like I did, that want to be able to go in and solve these difficult problems for, for clients. Um, and But they maybe don't want to work full-time or they don't want to work just on one company. They want to work on multiple companies. So we have found that to be um, very helpful in our growth of our business. And I think that that's a trend throughout consulting firms, at least in um, marketing that we've seen, is that people aren't necessarily having that heavy um, full-time staff that they used to have, that they're being much more lean and um, adaptive because you may be very smart in one thing as a full-time employee, but when the industry changes or the markets change, you're, you know, you would constantly have to be re-educating yourself. So it's better to have people, you know, lots of different people that you can bring in for certain subject matter expertise. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, Libby, this is a fantastic conversation. I think we could probably keep going for a while here, but we've got to draw to a close here at some point. Um, okay. I want to invite you. Is there any last things you want to share? If, if our listeners wanted to find you or reach out to you or connect sure. with uh, the Craig Marketing Group, how would they How would they do that? Sure. So our um, the best place is probably our website, which is craigmarketinggroup.com. And then um, also through my LinkedIn, um, you know, at Libby Covington. And also you can email me and I think that you will be sending those um, details out, but uh, yeah, we we'll definitely have a that. form on our website. All right. We'll put all that into the show notes and make sure anybody that would like to reach out to you would be able to do so. Uh, sure. Libby, thank you again so much. We're really glad to have you here today. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on the Adaptive Executive Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn and by subscribing to our mailing list. Again, my name is Greg Ballard and thank you for listening.